0: Hi friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host Annie F Downs. Welcome to 2019. I hope you enjoyed the episode last week with Carrie Newhoff. Hey, our new music for 2019 for our spring season is from Angst and Grace and our buddy John McLaughlin. Make sure you pick up that album. I am loving it. I love it so much. Hey, we're starting a new series that I kind of alluded to in Carrie Newhoff's episode. We're going to take a couple of shows this month and really focus on and think about the next generation. What does it look like to be a part of raising up the next generation? I think it's incredibly important and and I have some of what I consider the best experts on next gen. Some of them are actual next generation people. Some of them are doing ministry to them. Some of them are writing books for them. And so I just think they're some of the smartest people I know. And so we've gathered them all. We've put them all off in 2018 and said, wait, wait, wait. I, we need to talk to you the first of 2019 because we want the whole month to have that theme of What does it look like to invest in the next generation? And first and foremost, I wanted to bring on my friend Amy Bird. Amy Bird is the Director of Girls' Ministry at Hunter Street Baptist Church and a Girls' and Ministry resource author. And she is just one of my heroes, honestly, in student ministry and in paying attention to the next generation. I think you'll find this conversation really helpful, whether you are surrounded by teenagers or you know just a couple, or you are just watching them from a distance and wondering what is going on with this people group. Uh, Amy Bird has got your answers. So here is my conversation with my friend who you are going to adore, Amy Bird. Amy Bird, you ready, girl? Girl, here we I'm go. Here. Listen, <laughs> just come over here. How long have we been trying to get in the same place? It's just embarrassing. 10 years. I mean, serious.
1: at least. Do
0: you know what is so fun to me is that the day we met maybe, I don't know, three years ago, five years ago, I was like, well, yes, obviously a thousand percent. We're <laughs> friends. We're like cut from the same cloth. And then we've been in the same place about two other times, even though we have tried Because you're in you're in Birmingham, Huntsville, Birmingham.
1: Birmingham. I think we probably pass each other on 65 Uh twice a month. uh
0: Yeah, you coming up here? Okay, Amy, you have a son, and then you're pregnant.
1: Listen, (laughs) I have an 18 month old baby named Timothy, and then I have two boys, lady, two boys.
0: I mean, what are you gonna do?
1: Cantaloupe sized boy.
0: (laughs) Does it feel like it? When are you due? I'm due at the beginning of March. Oh wow! Okay, so they're—I mean, if they're both cantaloupes right now, we're going to be a winter melon in a, the blink of an eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Have in
1: you her- seen root apps. It's big it is a big old belly
0: yeah no there's like apps that that tell you what fruit your baby is
1: bingo I'll get an email and it's like good morning you have a pineapple and I'm like I know (laughs) I don't need you like I is I feel it two pineapples yeah so yes three
0: boys oh that is really fun can you back up a little bit because I know you're like if I remember correctly your pregnancy story I mean it took you all a little bit of time correct
1: It did. Yeah. We, um, we got married and about two years in decided just to try to have a baby and entered into a season we never saw coming in the sense of, um, just fighting for him. Um, it took about five years and lots of surgeries and lots of specialists. Um, you know, some seasons you can see coming and you're prepared and you anticipate it. And then others hit you in the face and take over your world and you, come out on the other side. Um, so yes, yeah, so he's a sweet little miracle baby. And then God's just been so gracious to give us two at once. So we right. we went from lacking and feeling just sad to now our arms are full and we are so yeah. excited. And um, the all boys- I mean, that's through. that verse in,
0: in Psalms, right? That they go out weeping and come back with armloads of blessing.
1: I mean, we, we've got the armloads and I wish you could see Timothy's thighs because you would really understand what I'm saying. But- <laughs> We are we have an abundance of baby going on here. And um yeah, it's been such a gift. And
0: I mean, tell me what happened with you inside your heart when because you're a full-time girls minister at a church. So you're full-time doing ministry and you're also not having your prayers answered.
1: It's the hardest, um, darkest moments that I've had just in in the sense that um, I really had to get to a place where God called me to decide if I truly trusted Him. I mean, I was living out days in ministry where I had girls in my ministry experiencing pregnancy at 16, and I was fighting for... Um, I was fighting for a baby and in the middle of doing blood work every three days, you know, in the contrasts of that. And, and you know, the seasons of lots of pregnancy announcements from even my very dearest friends and feeling great joy for them and a lack of understanding for what God was doing. and um, And in the midst of that, I really... I asked God to keep me from bitterness. I asked him because I saw the opportunity to be angry and I saw the opportunity to turn my back and stop trusting. And I begged God to help me hope. And he did. He did. And and, and through all of the, I felt like a pincushion. I had seven surgeries. Um, in the midst of ministry events, like I would literally get off of a charter bus and schedule a surgery for a Monday so that I wouldn't miss a beat. And because I didn't want anybody to know because I didn't want anybody to ask me questions. And so, um, and you know, the ministry bubble. I, I mean, when I sneeze, I've got seven people that are like, did you know that sneezing can be solved by the following remedies? And like, <laughs>
0: right.
1: Oh, right. I do. So, I really needed that part of my world to be private, but it's hard to do that when, um, you know, every few months you're having a surgery. So Okay,
0: we got to jump into that just for a second because, you know, we're talking this whole month about next generation and teenagers and young adults and what it's like to have them in your life. And how do you decide when you're mentoring young women or young men, how do you decide what you invite them into in the struggle and what you save and keep private. How'd you decide that line? How'd you and William decide that?
1: So we um, definitely talked to William about it first. And I'll say for the first half of the process, I wish I'd handled it differently because I faked, I faked so much. I mean, I remember physical moments of walking over the threshold of my office door down to where our students are and telling myself, and now you're fine. You know, I turned on this moment and, and so what I did was I, I took a broken girl, put on a happy face and walked downstairs and tried to minister to, to broken students and I was missing it. And I remember when it hit me um, that, and I was sitting in the office, my office is filled up with girls pretty m- much all the time. Um, we laugh and we say that the threshold of my door is just where the tears come because they'll make it like to the edge and then they fall apart. And I was sitting with one of my girls who was just feeling like God had forgotten her and she was feeling lonely and like she was the only one suffering. And I identified so much and I felt myself hesitating. And I felt the enemy stopping me from speaking truth because I was afraid she might see into where I was. And that is the moment where I just said, let me tell you what God has been teaching me.
0: Really? You just did it?
1: I did. And and that's the moment where working with students, they see straight through everything. I mean, you fake it, they'll call it out in about 20 seconds. And they long for vulnerability. They want us to be real. They don't need characters and they don't need fantasy because the world's providing plenty of that. They need adults who suffer well. They need broken adults to be able to say, despite all of these things, God is good. And here I am. And let's dive in and do this again yeah
0: but at some point there is a they don't need to know this yet
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah.
0: right so if you could do it again amy what would you or if for someone who's suffering in front of the daughter they're raising or the son that they're mentoring or the team that they're coaching what would you do differently how would you decide when to invite people in
1: this is what, I recently taught a class on suffering um, to moms and leaders of ministry. Really?
0: See, this is why everybody needs to be at your church. All the parents need to be at your church.
1: It was a sweet time. And honestly, you know, it's funny because it was an eight o'clock class on a Friday night and it was on suffering. And I thought that's going to be well attended because was going to come, I mean, after a donut bar, let's go chat suffering. And I tell you what, it was the sweetest moment because I called those women to the same thing God called me to is vulnerability, but in wisdom. Yes, you can suffer with your child, but at the point where you're placing a burden on your child or bringing them into the midst of a drama or even your students that you're ministering to um, in your ministry, I just said, because there's so many different scenarios, it might be that that there's a marriage struggle going on in the home and you don't need your child to know about all those things, but but they might need to know that something's going on or it is like me, I was broken and longing for a baby standing in front of girls week after week. And um, my advice and and wisdom there is just to pray for God to just give you the wisdom and discernment to know what to say and what not to say at the point where you're sharing and say, let me tell you about my cysts. Let me tell you what they said about my Mm -hmm. ovaries yesterday. But what I did say was, I'm in the midst of surgeries and I don't feel good a lot and I'm scared all the time and I'm sad and it's okay to not be okay. And, um, like I said, I just think asking God for wisdom
0: and the girls got that, right?
1: Oh, and I will tell you what it is because what we're doing is we're living life with them, right? We're not living 50 minutes twice a week with them. It is all of life and they don't hold back when they tell me things and I don't want them to, but, um, it was so sweet following that because I would get, text messages from my girls that they, I, I speak Isaiah 26, three to them to the point where they cannot stand it. Yeah. I I don't know it. Say it to me. Oh, it's you keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is set on you because he trusts you. And my girls, we talk about when we flounder and when we're afraid and what do we do? We, we acknowledge that our eyes are off of Jesus and now it's time to focus. And when we focus on the things of Jesus, we find that peace. And, um, For them, it was sweet because I would get text messages that my phone goes off at all hours of the night. Oh, listen. I remember. I know. It's hilarious. They'll just say, "Um, I'm praying that you're in perfect peace. Keep your eyes on Jesus. This is from 14 year olds. Yeah. Just because God just gave me the boldness and honestly, just the vulnerable heart to say, Girls, I'm hurting too. And now, here's what is sweet is when we welcome them into the mess. They see God work just like I do. So they, when they cuddle this baby, when this child walks in the door, they see a cute kid, but they see God's faithfulness in cute old Navy clothes. You know, like they're, they're seeing this, like physical. Like picture. they know
0: the kid that they prayed for before he was a kid. Yes,
1: And they celebrate with me. And um, for that, the vulnerability and, and even just the tough moments were all worth it. All of them
0: and would you say that inviting the girls into the level that you did i mean in the in the ways that you're like yeah this i did this right like it's affected their faith for good i would say
1: i hope so uh, my prayer just was that like i said they've got a lot of fake and i don't want them to see i mean you ask them they know i'm not perfect they'll be the first ones to tell you but my hope is that whether they face the same thing or just any Trial or you know calamity that they'll say God worked in Amy's world. He he fulfilled his promises to her and he will fulfill his promises to me.
0: Yeah, that's right, that's right. And okay, so let's back up. I mean, I, we're jumping right in, but will you tell people when did you decide you wanted to do ministry full time?
1: Oh my stars! I I don't remember ever deciding it, and here I am. I um had no this idea. This is why I
0: love you because oh, you well, love with
1: oh my stars. I still have no. Listen, <laughs> it happens a lot. Oh, my first. I need a t shirt. Yeah. The moral of the story is that I have had a heart for people and a heart for writing and a heart for God's Word and a heart for women and girls for as long as I can remember, even in middle school, just a tenderness towards that and never really understanding how that fits into the perfect picture of a four-year degree, the the cookie cutter, kind of what we see in a lot of scenarios. Um, and I, I just didn't really see what God's plan was. And I started an internship at the church where I'm serving now, at the church where I've grown up.
0: I was about to say, how did you end up at that church? You grew up there.
1: I have grown up on this campus. And over the, the years and the seasons, I've asked God take me like i'll go anywhere and and it's so funny when god calls you to stay home because there's there's parts of that that are hard in that you know it's the, it's the same people and there's parts of that that are such a gift because it's my people
0: right yeah like when you look around it's it's grown ups are your friends parents and
1: yes yeah yeah and that's so and they've known me and and william we met my husband and i met in first grade sunday school here oh my god it's hilarious so now we've got our our kiddos here and um he serves and teaches a small group and i'm here and um honestly over a couple of hazy years we saw god put together this just incredible opportunity to minister to girls and women. I started as an intern here. Like I literally refilled the Snickers candy bar trays and made cheese sticks on Wednesday nights right. and uh, stayed around and a few years later was able to step in and become the girls minister. And in that same period, God provided just some opportunities to write for Lifeway. And um, I'm three studies in now and overwhelmed with God's just goodness and letting me be a yeah. part of that. Okay, wait,
0: what's your third one? I know City of Lions, Worthy, of, oh, Dwell. Does that count as your dwell, third one? Yes, yes,
1: yes. And all of that is a whirlwind as well, because really what that is, is a pipe dream that all of a sudden sits on my desk. And all I can say is, thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Diet Coke, for in- <laughs> helping me enjoy all, <laughs> all these right? things. Um, and now life is is fully, and you understand this, ministry is never eight to five, it's all the time, and especially ministry to teenagers, they really function at their funniest and best and most vulnerable between the hours of nine and two, um, in the PM AM area of the day. And so it is a crazy world. I I told somebody today it was chaos, coded in chaos, but it is right. It is good.
0: Okay, and you're like, I mean, the Bible studies you've written, Worthy Vessel and City of Lions. They're the teen girl version of Beth Moore's adult studies.
1: Yeah. City of Lions is um, the most recent one. And it has... just came out this summer, right? It did. And um, it rocked my world. And it's been incredible to hear from... Because it just calls you out of culture and just to identify. um, And like I said, with students, you know, just we look at what the world's presenting them and we're trying to figure out what it looks like to live like Jesus in the midst of that. And it's been neat to see the conversations that have come out of it. But
0: So when you do the teen version, like, cause I love, I mean, honestly, my second favorite of Beth Moore's studies, my first is the Patriarchs and my second favorite yes. is Daniel. Oh man, don't you love Patriarchs? I think Patriarchs oh, is just phenomenal. I'll do it all the time. Same. Um, but the Daniel one, so what does that look like when you sit down with it? Do you take her study and her teachings and just age them down or do you totally write new stuff or is it both together
1: totally rewritten oh, um, wow. and i'll tell you what i loved the um, the women's version of that daniel study like i can hear that lion roaring in my sleep i've done it so many mm-hmm, times mm-hmm. but no i i sat down and i actually put that Aside for a purpose, because hello, how am I going to rewrite something that Beth Moore has written? I'm not, not.
0: right? Um, So, (laughs) no, thank you. No, thank you.
1: (laughs) No, we'll just put a bow on that and and just leave it. But um, what I did was, I write for my girls here. And I think that that's the sweetest gift. And that's what's so interesting about the scenario God's placed me in, is it's the perfect puzzle that I would have never put together for myself. But the only way I know how to write for girls is because I'm living 24 hours a day with them in my ministry here. I wouldn't know examples because their world changes so often, the culture changes, the slang changes so frequently that... It's only because of them that I can sit down and write a book that girls will identify with. And so as I'm writing that, I'm thinking, how would I teach it to my girls here? How would I teach it to, I've got um, 7th through 12th grade girls here at Hunter Street. And um, what would that look like? And how would they need to learn how to break it down? And so I feel like sometimes I'm cheating in writing those studies because I have such a perfect picture here of my girls. And exactly what they need. And I asked them, too. I mean, they were, it needs to say Amy Bird and the Hunter Street Girls. Because they're they're all of my examples. They just don't know it. Right,
0: right. They probably know it. They probably know a little bit. They're they're like, Amy, that's me. That
1: story you told is literally me. Yeah, I had a girl call me a couple years ago. And she was like, um, Worthy Vessel, page 27. Is that me? And I was like, yep, it is.
0: (laughs) You're like, I will tell you straight. I will not lie to you. That would be you. I mean, when you started in ministry, I mean, you're at church and you're volunteering and you're, a, you know, you're probably at some point a youth intern. Oh yeah. So why was the right job for you doing student ministry instead of children's ministry or instead of women's ministry? What is it about teenagers that you can't quit?
1: I'm afraid of children. Um, <laughs> Says
0: the woman about to have three boys in her house.
1: <laughs> right. There, someone else is going to have to move in with me. I don't right. know I don't know what to do with seven year olds. I'm sure right. they're delightful. Um, but I don't know what to do with them. I know how to talk to like an 18 month old and I'll take people make fun of me all the time. I can be on a bus, a charter bus full of middle schoolers for hours and I don't even hear them anymore. Like I, I go into my world, but, um, What I am seeing is, and really I'll bring fifth and sixth grade into this as well. So that preteen high school ministry is, they're encountering the, I I don't know if I'm saying this even like I want to say it, but the darker things of this world much earlier.
0: Yeah. Give me examples of what you think of when you see, because you have a front row seat that I don't have anymore. So tell me what what they're seeing.
1: The front row seat on the Tower of Terror. We'll call that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. they're getting their cell phones earlier. So I spend a lot of time in our family ministry team here spends a lot of time just trying to educate parents on, Hey, if you're going to give your, your 12 year old, your 12 year old, a cell phone with internet access, here are all of the things that will pop up on their phones without them even blinking. Here are the apps where they're hiding their conversations. Here are the secret identities that they have on there. You know, a lot of students have like multiple Instagram accounts like they have their their main one that their parents will follow but then they have spam accounts
0: right does. I learned that from one of my teenage friends
1: well and I, I laugh because some of my girls are like I'll say okay on your spam account and they're like do you know about that and I'm like yes I do I know about all of your spam accounts so what I'm saying is that they're encountering these things so much earlier and they're um, having to just really fight it. The church is just not a priority in the hearts of families like it always has been in my mind. You know, it is a much more a negotiable piece of their week and their calendar because they're so busy. They're scheduled to the gills. And so I really feel like these years are so formative in them understanding who Jesus is, what that means for who they are. And how they apply that to their life. And I even sat down with one of my girls who just finished her freshman year at college. And she said she sees that so many of her friends that just floundered in high school and didn't take the things of Jesus seriously in high school. They're struggling now. You know, they're living on their own. And so I found myself even this morning just feeling so geared up to just challenge these girls to live different, to be bold and to be real and to love the things of Jesus and to look like the things of Jesus. And it's hard to counter that in the midst of this Instagram perfect culture. You know, if you can't Snapchat it, don't do it. And I'm trying to tell them, I don't care if your streak ends. I don't know if you, this, yes. this
0: is, yeah, yeah. It's where they talk back and forth every single day, and it gives them rewards for how long they talk back and forth. And yeah.
1: some of them will like, if we go to camp and I'm like, hey, no phones, they will leave their phones with friends to keep up with their streaks. Oh, wow. So this is the world we're in, right? But I can't get them to buy their Bible study book sometimes until the third or fourth week of <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's discipleship. Right. And that's so right. it is the spiritual disciplines. And um, sometimes the girls call me like, I'm a, a 90-year-old stuck in a 29-year-old body because... <laughs> I like to teach them to make jam, but then I also just want them to just understand that a simple life of loving Jesus is enough. When I look at the loud, crazy world that they live in, I mean, think about that for a second. And that you and I live in as well. Like Sundays, I have to put my phone down because Instagram has overwhelmed me in about 35 seconds. Oh,
0: listen, I quit um, Insta stories. I quit watching Insta stories for Advent. See, cause I was like, I just need to make some space and some quiet and I am filling it. Yes. And it, and I'm a grown up who's struggling with that. Exactly. I'm not even a 13 year old.
1: Exactly. And so I have asked the girls and I challenged them like, Hey, you always get your homework done. You always have your perfect dress for homecoming. You always, and even for my boys, you know, they get so stressed about their ACT or I've had football practice from 5am to 10pm. and making room for the things of Jesus. I just feel like that's our call is just to continue to remind them and remind them. And it's constant because their world is constant. Um, And remembering too, that every single year of those years that I have them is formative physically for them, um, mentally for them. They're hitting all of these milestones and all these different areas of their life. And they're encountering the things of adulthood, whether they're ready or not.
0: I mean, does that feel different than when we were teenagers? Because I do, you and I are about the same age. I'm a little older than you, but but it feels like when we were teenagers, adulthood didn't rush at us so attractively as it does now.
1: Yes, I think it's definitely different. I've got girls who are juniors that feel like they have to choose their job. Like, What are you going to be before they can even choose what colleges they're going to apply to? That's a lot of pressure because she's 16. They're 16. Right. That's a lot of pressure. And um even just, just what they look like too. Like I've got um, I had to bring one of my senior pictures up for a game that we were playing and they were like, Did you know what a straightener do an eyeliner? Like you don't care about eyeliner? Oh my gosh. Because now they look like I mean they're beauty queens, you know, everything's perfect. And I put on the drape with the pearls, and they, you know, duct taped it on the back of me. Right, and,
0: right, right, right. Um, So, yeah, the world yeah, we was, didn't actually put on a black dress. <laughs> it was no. just a drapey thing.
1: Yep, right, with a clamp on the back. Which that's right. Was super classy. You know, that's right. Um, and this is something that I give my girls often when they graduate. But because what I'm talking about a lot is the turbulence of. Of the seasons and the years that they walk through while they're students. And one of my favorite quotes from Spurgeon is The seasons change and you change, but the Lord abides evermore the same. And the streams of his love are as deep and broad and full as ever. And I try to just give them these moments of breathe. You're changing. Your friends are changing. Your family may be changing. All of these things are going on, but we have a constant God. And again, that kind of goes back to that Isaiah 26 six three that I point them to. They start to panic because of the pressures of the world and the pressures to have it together. And
0: and how and when you say that, how um, young are you saying that be true for girls? Is that just for seniors?
1: No, it's their pressure. I've got eighth grade girls every Wednesday night writing on the back of their cards that they are overwhelmed and stressed with school, that they feel incredibly burdened by the pressures that they feel in their homes. I feel like they come in and they just need to hand out stress balls and donuts because they just, I feel like they're so tightly wound. And by the time they make it through our doors and it's our boys too, I feel like they're about to burst because what they're doing is they're all in the middle of their schools where it's a ton of pressure and, and the pressure is good and they're, they're educating them. And But that's also in the midst of friendship dynamics. That's also in the midst of group me's that are formed about them to say ugly things in the midst of trying to keep up with social media in the midst of, if I don't get 97 likes in the first five minutes of my post, I've got to delete it. Right. That's constant for them. I've got girls who truly that I know of that will delete their posts pretty quickly if they don't get and they laugh at me because I'm like I'm sending 44 likes over here and I'm feeling pretty good about right that. So right
0: this really nice right
1: but for them so much of their value that they carry and in, in who they are comes from a click of a heart on a screen or the number of followers that they might have so they are living in a different world than we lived in um, living in the midst of different pressures but that's why I love reminding them and calling them to be still the Lord abides ever more the same and he will abide ever more the same now and in the seasons that you're heading into. How does
0: your student staff, how do y'all keep up with the social media and what the students are doing and watching and like having some of those, um, those apps that really put a mirror over your phone so that adults can't see what students are doing And Like, how do y'all even keep up with all that, Amy?
1: We're behind, I'm sure. Um, basically, um, (laughs) <laughs> we just try to keep up there's several like student ministry websites one of them is just called axis um and it'll send out a x i s yes it'll send out pretty consistent just like blurbs about um here's what you might find on your student's phone here's what you might find um in the midst of a video game or here's how they can connect with people or you know we kind of keep up that way honestly i learn a lot from my students I learned about an app called Secret Calculator, which is probably pretty old now. But it was truly an app that you downloaded that looks like a calculator on your phone Yeah, that you put in a certain equation and you get into your account, right? And you can keep conversations, videos, photos. You can have access to the internet and none of that shows up on the history of your phone. And even more like super creepy weird is if somebody tries to my girls would make fun of me for saying super creepy weird no, but it, it is it feels um like. if somebody tries to put in the wrong equation it records them so you can know who tried <gasps> to get into it like lab. it takes a picture of their face right i'm like actually that's impressive. It's like kim, that's like kim possible <laughs> i kind of want
0: that that is kim possible i kind of want that on my on my phone yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> i mean it is it is weird but it's all of these things and you know there's the different layers of Snapchat that I don't understand. And here's the deal. And this is what I said. is: Well, I
0: just think Snapchat is dangerous. I can't find a reason that any of us adults or teenagers need Snapchat.
1: Anything that disappears just because yes. in the age of just desperately needing accountability and we don't need help hiding, right? We don't need any help hiding. And um, I really think that anything like that is just scary, which is why even the spam accounts, I'm thinking... Why? But that's where they are. And so what I try to do is, is get them to see. And and even as we talk with their parents to see, there's a root of all of this somewhere. There's unhealthy relationships. Let's dig down deep in that, you know, and because at the end of the day, we could tell a parent every single app that could be a danger on their phone And if their kid wants to find a way to talk, they're going to find a way to talk. That's good, Amy. And I'm all about, I love cell phone restrictions. I love phones being turned in at the end of the night if you think your kid needs it. I love when parents take action to show their kids that they care enough to step in.
0: Right, right.
1: That's a really big deal. And it's not taking away their privacy. They don't need a whole lot of of privacy. What they need is somebody watching them and helping them and stepping in and helping them see this alternate universe that you've created in whatever app or whatever game or whatever this is, like, this isn't reality. And I feel like that opens up a world of healthy conversations. I mean, the opportunities to be who you are not are overwhelming.
0: That is a really important sentence. The opportunities to be who you are not are overwhelming.
1: There's almost more chances to be that than there are (laughs) welcoming you to just be who you are. And
0: Yeah, because my guess is so many people who are listening are either parents of young women and men this age or have them in their lives in some capacity as a niece or a nephew or a sibling or, you know, either they teach them or they lead them like you do. And just the idea of like, don't try to keep up. Try to understand, you know, like yes. uh, keeping up with all the apps isn't the trick. Understanding the motivation behind the, why they're doing what they're doing. Just is the have trick. a
1: conversation, and and that is where a parent that will call and say she's not herself. She's struggling. She's quiet. She's reserved. She's stopped caring. And I'll sit down with those given girls or students at any point, and. Honestly, it takes about two minutes to chip through that hard exterior. And what I find behind that is a broken kid who doesn't know how to function in the midst of the world or keep up with the pressures and who is so tangled up and trying to be somebody to everybody that they've just shut down. Those personal relationships and just that um, connection is is so important and rules are important and structure is important, but knowing the heart of the students or kids that you're serving or that you're raising <laughs> is, is the most important because you can restrict them to death. But if they're not interested in the things of Jesus or in honoring him, like restrictions aren't going to change our identity. They'll just change our habits. Right. So, so I think that that's why, looking at the heart of who they are has to be first. Looking at the heart of who they are and then being very real about the world that they're living in too. Because it is really hard to be a teenager.
0: It feels harder to be a teenager than it was when I was a teenager.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's something that I think that even they they fear um, is people really knowing. And that's why I think that we arm them up. You know, and and show them that that God will equip us for what He calls us to in the midst of our culture, and um, and letting them know that you're gonna stumble. You know, that's what I love it. I love being able to surprise my girls when they come to me and they have just messed up, and I love being able to look at them and often hand them some type of little Debbie situation. <laughs> All right,
0: I'm hearing you say that pastries are a ministry tool.
1: I've got a Christmas tree cake one foot from me right now. <laughs> Less than probably. I
0: love that about you. <laughs> I can touch it.
1: Just being able to look at them and say, You're still mine. I'm still here. And let's step forward because they need that. And I, what I hope that they see in me and in our team here when we do that is not, Oh, they're so gracious, but that. That God is good and that He does fulfill His promises to us and that He is near and He abides evermore the same in the midst of this crazy world and in the midst of me messing up.
0: So oftentimes, people who do student ministry start there in the church and then move elsewhere, which you have permission to do in your life. Don't hear me saying any different. How many years have you been in student ministry?
1: My stars. Okay, so I started as an intern when I was 18. So 10 years ago, I started as the intern four, I'm doing math. It's not my favorite. Four, four years ago, I started doing director of girls ministry. Okay.
0: And what makes you not give up on it? Because it sounds so hard.
1: Oh my gosh, but it's the greatest thing in the whole world. I get so teary. Um, I'm such a sap and pregnancy doesn't help, but <laughs> I'm learning to embrace a good cry. But they're my people. And I know that at some point... And I can't even fathom it at this moment that God will release me from this role. But the hearts of girls and being a vessel of, of hope and of truth into their hearts consistently is the greatest joy because I see them respond and I see God move. And I get to be a part of neat things like spending a lot of time with their leaders I mean, we've got some incredible leaders that pour in and, and really dive in in small groups every week and seeing my girls lead each other. And now that I have my own son, I'm just seeing the importance of faithful leaders that stick around and that stay. And until God prays me away from here, I am in it. And and I think that there's a day where I would love this summer, God just said, Meet with women your age for crying out loud! You know, just <laughs> to spend some time. And we went through um, "Restless" Jenny Allen's "Restless" for yes. eight oh. weeks this summer. It's so good. We walked our world, and yeah. I sat with women, and God really used that to fill me up and helped me see kind of a full circle picture of what I'm praying for with my girls now. Yeah. You know, I was contrasting a Tuesday morning I was teaching through Beth Moore's "The Quest" to thirteen. Through eighteen year olds, and then I'm sitting on Monday night. Y'all were where, doing the grown up quest. No, we were doing the student quest. Okay, and let there's me a student tell you, quest. I was about to be like, get it. Um, no, but let me tell you, the student quest.
0: Yeah, she doesn't play. She doesn't care. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't. And they're right. so funny. I love it.
1: But they're like, what is she doing in the woods? And I'm like, yeah. just go with the flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go with <laughs> the flow. Right. <laughs> um, but just seeing that full circle picture of, of Titus two and of being called to pour into younger women and remind them. I picture being able to sit with them and I wish I could look in all their faces and just say, let me tell you what God has done. Come and let me show you what God has done and that God might just give them a glimpse of that through me. Even once is the motivation to hop on the charter buses 11 times a year and to, do all of the, we've got funny things that come with student ministry. We've got hard things that come with student ministry. And then in the midst of that somewhere, God's really gracious and he shows us the fruit.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: We have teenagers speaking scripture back to us and we have teenagers doing incredible things in their schools and showing kindness to others and, right, and leading out. And so I cannot imagine a world of doing anything different.
0: That's one of the reasons I wanted you to be on uh the show with me is because when I thought through who are the women doing ministry to young women that have that I've watched over years be faithful to it, you and Amy Joe from up here are the two that came to my mind. And I was like, "Man, I I just so honored that you have committed to these young women for this amount of time."
1: Mm-hmm. I see my brokenness at the forefront of what I do every day. And I don't understand what what God is doing and letting me be right here. But it is precious to have a front row seat to what He's doing in the lives of these students. Because it's big.
0: Yeah, it's real. It's like no joke what He's doing in the lives of students. I think that, to me, when I watch it, you know, when I'm on the road or, you know, with my um, teen book that comes out this month or when I'm seeing students, I think— the only reason the enemy is trying to destroy them at a faster rate than us is that they have more to do than us. Like, there is more for the next generation to do on this planet than my generation. So my job is, and what you model for me beautifully, is are you caring about the next generation because they actually need us to give them the tools that we have collected so that they can go farther than we were able to go.
1: And they can do so much more than we think they can. They're so capable. We plan a a good number of trips and we are able to let our students serve in a lot of different capacities. And I love being able to tell people how passionate so many of our students are to just serve and teach and love. And, they don't want to just teach crafts. They can put on a pretty good basketball clinic, but let them tell people about Jesus. Let them lead. Let them be in charge. And and my, our pastor all the time says that they're not the future of the church. That they are the church right now. Because a lot of times I'll say, you know, because people just don't understand. Um, but what do you do? And I do girls' ministry, and they're like, that is so cute. And I'm thinking, I have. glitter in girls ministry and the rest of it, we fight for the hearts of of these girls to love Jesus. And it's real work and they're responding and they're changing the world and they're changing their schools and their families. And it is cute, but more than cute, it's brave and it's strong and it's happening whether we're acknowledging it or not. That's right.
0: That's right. They're going to lead people somewhere. We just get to help them understand why Jesus is the right answer.
1: And they'll hop on a cause in about two seconds. And that's why I'm thinking, give them ownership where we are. Yeah. Yes, let them start things in their schools, but let them teach in your church. Let them stand up and and talk here. They're just capable of so much. Um, and I love being able to give them the chances to do that. Yeah.
0: Tell me what it looks like for or the importance of a female leader speaking into teenage men's like young men's lives.
1: So I work with the greatest team ever here. Um, We have a middle school pastor and a high school pastor, um, myself, and then a college minister that kind of work with our students. And it is so neat because we kind of do everything together. People say that we kind of move as an amoeba and I wouldn't have it any other way because the contrast of being able to hear our guys that are just trying to be bold men of God and to figure out what that looks like and i've got our guys up here that are calling them to be men and then i feel like sometimes i'm able to go in and not mama them because they have so many great mamas but just to be able to remind them of the the tenderness of the side of of being a man of god and and of the gospel and of what that looks like and um <laughs> i i love lists and i love being practical and sometimes i feel like i'm able just to say like okay Let's just take like the whole life map out of the picture for a second and just say like on Tuesday, what does this look like for you? But it's so neat to be able to do that as a team because I I rarely sit there just with any of our guys and um, they rarely sit there with our girls. But when it's together, it's just a really sweet picture and a really sweet it's harmonious and it's it's so funny. We laugh a lot, but um, but being able to work as a team of men and women and what we bring to the table together and um, ministering to our guys and our girls is really special. It's funny they'll come and we'll talk about girls, or I cannot tell you how many homecoming signs I have made oh, in my gosh. lifetime. I believe it. I believe I've asked it. so many girls to homecoming <laughs> over the years. I had <laughs> to carve a melon once. Oh my like, gosh. I had a boy walk into my office and say, I need you to carve prom into this by five 30. And I was like, I'm oh, on it. Oh my gosh.
0: I'm on it. You're like, I can do that. I can do that.
1: It's a neat opportunity in those moments just to say, hey, remember who you are. Remember the man of God that you are. And let that be reflected in this moment. And, um, I'm big sister in a lot of ways, you know, and they're funny, they're protective of me too. But, um, it's really neat to be able to work with a team because so many churches will just have a student pastor or we'll have, um, a team of people, but it's, it's still pretty rare to have a girls minister on a right. staff. Yeah. Um, so it's been really neat to be able to work with a team that works so well together to minister to our students as a whole. Like they kind of right. get, they get a mom and pop feel of that. And sometimes they don't want right. it, but they get it.
0: Right. And I think one of the things is you hear a lot about the importance of a adult male voice in the life of teen women, but you, you don't hear as much teen boys, young men need adult women speaking into their lives too. Yes. And yes. so we need both. We don't just need, it's not that girls need a dad voice. Men need an older sister voice too.
1: And I think it's neat because it puts them in a position where, like I said, they are protective of me. And I feel like they just get a a sweet picture of wanting to, to honor the women in their life. And they, um, they hear that from me, but then they also live that out just in the way that they will, um, will care for me and the girls of our ministry. It's just been really sweet. I really feel like God is, and specifically where I am and what I'm seeing this call for men to just step up and be bold and kind of come back. Like, because women's ministry, it's so funny. Our boys all the time say, the girls do all of the fun things. And I'm like, Do you want to have a princess party? Like, right, I right, like right. Get like a cupcake with me if you want to. Right. But I, I they're kind of calling us out. Like our boys are calling us out and saying, give us moments. Teach us how. Let us lead. And we have been so encouraged by that because we've gone through some seasons where the boys have been quieter, but we've got some. Some men that God is raising up here, and so we are really excited to see. I mean, they're only four years away from being husbands. Some yeah, of them. That's yeah. What's crazy yep. is they're a blink away from real life, and. So it's neat to be a part of that, but the contrast and having male voices and female voices in that, and just me, um, because I've been with a lot of them since fifth grade. So you have to think all of these years with them. I'm sure yeah. they're tired of me, yeah. but when they see me coming around the corner, they're like, "And if I'm I'm being good, right, right, right?" Or right. they shoot me with an airsoft gun. You never yeah, know. That's what you're right. Gonna you get, never but-
0: know what you're gonna get. So for our people who are listening who don't have teenagers in their lives but there are opportunities like they could be coaching in their local community, they could be volunteering with their church's youth group, they could be stepping into the boys and girls club. Tell for those of us who don't have the next generation in our lives, tell us why we should.
1: They need you and and this is what I ask. I never beg anybody to be a part of student ministry. Like I have a thing because I pray that God might bring us adults that these students can depend on because consistency is so important because they they get new teachers every year, right? They get new coaches every year. Um, they get all of these different adults that are speaking into their life. Some of their homes are broken and I don't know what voices that they're getting, but I always with my leaders, I just say, I only want you if you're going to stay and if you're going to really dive in, and if you're going to be real. So I would say to the adults that aren't plugged in anywhere like that yet, pray about it. And if you're ready, be ready to be real and be ready for you to be invited into the lives of those students. But you're inviting them into their world too. I mean, you work with teenage girls and they know where you live. They're coming, whether they're invited or not. Yeah, that's right. I got a puppy the first year of my marriage and I was sitting in my den and I looked into my backyard and I'm like, Oh, William, some of the girls, they had come into my backyard and were playing with the dog with, I didn't even know that they were there. And I thought, this is a perfect picture of my life, but they need us. They need adults who love Jesus and who are willing to be vulnerable and real with our own lives and that will dive into theirs. Um, because I think that that so many of our students have been hurt by inconsistency in adults. And they struggle to to trust and they struggle to really let us in because they're ready for us to leave.
0: Yeah, they're expecting that.
1: They are. And they need us to stay.
0: And what does that look like? like? Does that look like staying for their four years of high school if we start leading them as freshmen or just staying available no matter where they are? What does that look like? I
1: think it could look different because— I mean, I've got friends who have coaches that they had for one season and they're continuing to impact their life with discipleship here. I do ask my leaders to make a four-year commitment because really in my world, we only have 20 meetings a year. So that's 10 in the fall, 10 in the spring. That's 20 hours. So, and think about how many of those hours it takes to build trust in a relationship. I want more than a year if we can do that. Again, I think that that's situational and seasonal, but whatever it is, whatever commitment that God might be calling you to, um, even if it's, I love when adults find ways to plug in in local schools to serve as well, you know, whether you're doing like an ESL class or you're doing just a community class that they'll do, being able to connect with students consistently in any capacity. I think is a blessing and I think what adults don't expect and what I love to see is they come in and they think, okay, I'm going to pour into these students and these students will blow their hearts wide open and they teach us and they challenge us and they make us better. They make us seek Jesus differently. And I think that they make us look at their generation differently as well, because they're not all silly and they're not all, (laughs) you know, just aloof. They're intentional. Right. And and we're, like you said, we're raising up leaders. We're raising up leaders. I've got one of my students that I'm always like, you're going to be an astronaut. So I always <laughs> tell people I'm raising up astronauts. That's you know, right, like, that's right. I'm like, NASA's calling your name. He hates math, so probably not going to happen. <laughs> but I just think like, these are husbands and these are these are going to be teachers, and these are going to be the coaches. Right. These are going to be right. world leaders, and these people are going to Washington, and these people are going to space, and right. they need us to be willing to dive in now.
0: Yep. I know. I, I, I'm with you. I led a college group for the four years they were in college, but what I saw that they needed the most was to know that my house was available, my time was available, And for me to invest like I wasn't going anywhere, even if I couldn't totally promise that my job wasn't going to take me somewhere else, but I was invested like, hey, I'm not going anywhere. And that's what they needed to feel was the investment almost as much as the like guarantee.
1: It's a lot for them to know that when they text us at 11 o'clock, I've got one discipleship leader at one point, she was narcoleptic and she was like, are they going to think that I hate them? And I'm like, no girl, you're fine. But at 11, you're
0: totally fine
1: when they say, Hey, I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten a text. Can you talk? Yes, I can. I'm sorry, William. Can you talk? Yeah, I can. And they need us to do that. And um, because here's the deal. They're going to talk to somebody. Like I said, like they're going to find somewhere to land. So if we give them a landing place that's centered on Jesus and that's stable and that shows up, I think we've done our job.
0: Okay. Amy Bird, how can people find you if they have, I mean, I'm sorry to do this to you, but if they have questions or if they just want to tweet at you, tell me your social media. Don't tell me your phone number.
1: No, I cannot. Um, I don't even know my phone number. Okay. Instagram. (laughs) Can I first of all tell you, I forgot about Twitter.
0: Oh, like you aren't even doing it.
1: All I do is watch Fraser on Netflix <laughs> and watch the British baking championship, and I know you how to work so Instagram. Much. This is why I'm 90 years old.
0: Okay, so we should lean toward Instagram as the place to chat with you.
1: Hundred percent. Okay, um, I'm Amy
0: underscore
1: Bird B Y R D. Okay.
0: Perfect, and you don't mind if people reach out and have some questions and kind of want to process some things.
1: No, I would love it. Okay, I would, and love if it gets
0: it. to be too much, you just you can they can come to me and complain if you don't respond, and I'll say she actually has a job and babies and things.
1: They're going to be like, I don't care. Yeah, no, I would. love it. <laughs> I would love that.
0: Well, I just love the idea that you you are consistent in the lives of teenagers. You care about the next generation, and and one of my goals this year. I mean, what we always do in January is like what do we want to do for 2019 and who do we want to be? That's what we do on the show. And I'm like, man, I, I want us to be a group of friends who care about the students who are coming up behind us and the, the, the generation that's raising up. So you are my go-to girl for doing ministry to young women. So thank you for your your investment and just being a good example.
1: Oh, I love it. And you know, I told somebody last week, ready or not, they're coming. Yeah. So we're, we, we can be a part of that or not. They're coming That's right. and and they're ready. So I love you, friend. I love you too.
0: Hey, let me ask you one last question because you know the podcast always ends because it's called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you.
1: Being able to see my feet again. Okay. Well, you're
0: going to have some time before you're going to get exactly what you
1: want. <laughs> oh, my word. And then, no, you know what sounds fun to me is going into Target with no time limit at all and a Starbucks and walking and touching everything. Okay.
0: Just like just touching it just cuz you can. Or Mexico. Yeah. I mean. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or a trip to Mexico.
1: I can't travel anywhere right now, so right. all I'm doing is I'm like, does Australia sound fun to you? Oh, like that. Yes. So What's you your
0: Enneagram like, number?
1: Okay, you're not going to like this. Okay. I don't know. No, you
0: I can like that?
1: I have no okay. idea. Yeah. I need to know though. I'm going to find out and I'm going to let you know.
0: Okay. Just keep us in the know. We like to know these things.
1: I'm probably like a 4.5. Yeah. 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 That's what I was
0: going to guess. I was going to guess you were 4.5. So (laughs) you're right. You're exactly right.
1: Hey, on the Enneagram,
0: you're a 10. So don't you worry about that. I I don't know what you're on the Enneagram, but on the Enneagram.
1: Enneagram needs to be a book.
0: Because of my Southern accent, people just thought I said Enneagram for like the first (laughs) six months and nobody told me. They just all thought I made something up. And then someone (laughs) typed it to me one time and I was like, it. Come again? You thought I was saying Annie a
1: <laughs> Yeah, like she has uh, created her own system what? Yes. In I mean the if all? anybody.
0: All right, thanks friend. I love you.
1: Love you too.
0: Oh, I'm so grateful for her. I'm grateful for Amy's work and the way she communicates it beautifully and just how kind and generous she is to us. So make sure you give Amy a follow. It's Amy underscore BYRD on Instagram. Tell her thanks for being on the show and how much you appreciate her wisdom. I'm just so, so thankful for her. And if you have young women in your life and you want to do a Bible study with them, I cannot tell you how much I recommend Amy's work. Dwell, Worthy Vessel, and City of Lions are her three studies teen girls and I just think they're they're really incredible they're wise and funny and just super lovely so make sure you pick those up if you're trying to decide what your young women are going to study and do in the next um, semester or over the summer she this would be a great place to go for resources would be the work of Amy as always, if there's anything else I can do for you, you know, I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F Downs all over the place. We got a new website, AnnieFDowns.com. That's real cute and stuff. And so you can go check that out. Find all the show notes for the podcast. It'll always be up the day after the show comes out. So the show comes out on Monday, January 7th. We will have show notes up there for you on Tuesday, January the 8th. And we can go back and get all the show notes from shows before this. And that's where you can find me on socials too, Annie F Downs. And this year, we really would love to get you inviting your friends to be part of what we are doing here at That Sounds Fun. So if you know somebody who is investing in the next generation, who's trying to raise teenagers or who is working with them directly, why don't you send them this episode? That would just mean the world to me. Hey, and as Amy said, she's going to go out and do something that sounds fun to her. You go out and do something that sounds fun to you. I'm going to meet up with some friends for dinner. So let's all just go have some fun, right? Okay, so have a great day. Happy Monday. Welcome to 2019. It's going to be a good one, y'all. It's going to be a really good one. I'm pumped about it. So y'all have a great week, and I will see you on Thursday.